So Money Episode 234, So Money Millennial, Rhea Schwartz. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey everyone, welcome back to Millennial Week on So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Yeah, so all this week we're featuring five exceptional young adults who are each showcasing some fantastic and inspiring stories about how to conquer your financial life at a young age. You know, a central obstacle facing the millennial generation is financial freedom. The most recent graduating class finished college with an average $35,000 in student loans, the highest on record. And typical credit card debt among young adults now tops $26,000. And according to a new study by Pew, more are living at home with mom and dad to make ends meet. However, some young adults are bucking these financial hurdles. They've accomplished a great deal in a short period of time and are well on their way to becoming hmm, pretty wealthy a word that's hardly synonymous with today's 20-something bunch, right? From Travis Hornsby, earlier this week, we heard from him, our first millennial who semi-retired at age 25, to just yesterday, Christina Ellis, who shared her story of earning over $500,000 in scholarships. Today, my guest is a woman with similar drive and ambition. Her name is Rhea Schwartz, and she is just 25 years old, has already opened up her own waxing boutique in Tampa, Florida, and she's earning six figures. She became an esthetician at age 18 in New Mexico, and when she turned 20, she got a job at a waxing salon. There, she made a pretty good salary of over $60,000 a year, but she was unhappy with the way the owners treated the employees, with her hours. She didn't feel like her career was really taking off. So she decided to go out on her own, out on a limb, and start a small spray tan business to start. And in her first year, she was able to match her salary from her previous salon. She then moved to Tampa and opened the successful Flirt Wax Bar. And her goal is to be financially and physically free to travel and spend time with her family. And I must say, she's well on her way. Among the many strategies for financial success that we discuss in the next 30 minutes with Rhea is how she does backwards math as a routine habit. You can reverse engineer any goal, she tells me. Knowing when to quit, Rhea went solo just shortly after working on staff at a local salon, and the lessons she learned growing up in a family that started out wealthy and ended up going nearly broke. Here is our So Money Millennial this Wednesday, Rhea Schwartz. Rhea Schwartz, welcome to So Money. Very excited to feature you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for news. I'm so excited to be here and be talking with you. Yeah. And everyone, Rhea reached out to me and said, I am a So Money Millennial. And as you know, I've been reaching out to everybody over the last several weeks to say, if you feel as though you're, you are a young adult, that you've accomplished a lot in the, in the uh, short period of time that you've been an adult so far, let me know whether it's you started a business and it's been successful, you've saved money, you've crushed debt, you're no longer living with your parents. Let me know. And you emailed me to say that you do have a successful six-figure business that you started very 
early on and you're 25, only 25 now and already earning a six figure salary for yourself, self-employed. And it really does buck this sort of trend that we're seeing out there, which is very real in some ways, you know, that millennials are saddled with debt behind the financial eight ball. Do you feel as though your generation gets a bad rap, that they're just a generation that's hopeless, is not accountable and spoiled? I do. I think that, you know, my generation does tend to get the rap that we're very entitled to things and that, you know, we think people out of college, like we should just get jobs like right away that pay really well. And, but then I also think that there's the other side of it where I think it's because who I um, maybe listen to and surround myself with that there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that are really trying to, you know, make, a lifestyle for themselves. And you started at a very young age when most people are off to college to figure out who they are and what they want to be. And But you decided college, the, at least the traditional four-year college, was not for you. And I think that was a bold, brave decision at the ripe age of 18. What made you realize that and also follow through with it as so many of your friends were off to college? Well, I was in high school. Um, I could never really quite figure out what I wanted to study if I went to college. Um, I also was never the greatest student in high school. I think I was smart, but I was just maybe a little bit bored and not interested in, you know, what we had to study. I had always had an interest in skincare uh, because I myself struggled with acne in high school. So I was always getting chemical peels and microdermabrasions and facials. So I always had that interest in skincare. I knew I wanted to move out to L.A. uh, when I graduated, and I knew it would be really expensive. So my senior year of high school, I took night classes to become an esthetician so that when I moved out to L.A., I would have a career right when I got there. Was that difficult to convince perhaps your family and even your friends that you were going to do something very unique, you were going to follow a passion and move? Well, I'm super lucky because um, my parents are actually entrepreneurs themselves and they have a business. So my mom was super supportive from the beginning. Uh, She was actually the one that gave me the idea to become an esthetician because she knew I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college. And even though I had gotten facials and stuff, I actually didn't even know what like that was what they were called was like estheticians. I didn't know that could like actually be a job that I could maybe potentially do. One of her friends actually mentioned to her that she uh, said, you know, if you go to college, you could get a job, but you're competing with so many people. When you have a trade, you can go anywhere and um, be successful. So I agree. She was actually very excited for me. Yeah. That was great advice. Yeah. I mean, some of these students who go on to college and take on debt to study, I don't know, um, sociology, which is a, is a very interesting topic. It's a rich, rich major. But at the end of the day, if you want to apply that, you might have to go to additional school, you know, or you don't get to apply. You have to go right into a job to be able to pay down your student loan. So I agree. Was it scary moving to L.A. all by yourself? You know, it wasn't too bad. Um, I actually have family out there. So I lived out there for a year. And the first six months, I was really lucky because I lived with my sister. Um, The second six months that I was there was kind of when it got a little rough because I moved in with my niece. And it was the first time I had to pay rent. I was really only making a little bit more than minimum wage. And that was a huge reality check for me. 
Um, I really didn't know how to manage my money or credit um, or how to save. And I really went broke really fast and had to move back home. (laughs) What was that like? And how did you ultimately learn how to manage your money? Who was the person or what were the resources that you used to to get on track? Well, when I moved back home, um, it was really helpful to kind of regroup and get back on my feet. I uh, got a job at um, a waxing place. And, you know, at the time when I was getting that job, I actually did want to work for myself. You know, I thought if I do facials for myself, you know, I'd rather make 100% than commission. Um, I'll make so much more and I think I'm really skilled. I knew that my waxer was opening up her own business and she told me that she waxed 30 people a day. So in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, like she waxes 30 people a day. Like if I rented a room from her you know, there's like an instant clientele that I would make so much money. So she actually wasn't um, willing to rent out a room, but she did hire me and she trained me how to wax. And so that's where I learned how to become such a successful waxer. And you reverse engineered. That's really what you did there. You were like, okay, what do I need to do to make X dollars? And what is that input going to be like? And how can I, is that realistic? And if it is, Mm -hmm. how do I take the steps backwards now to get to that point? That's smart. In our pre-interview, you mentioned that that is something that you apply to a lot of things in life, not just your finances. Right. And, you know, I kind of use it as a, at a smaller scale back then, um, now I can use reverse engineering um, at a bigger scale because just my mindset's bigger and I think bigger than I used to. So, you know, if you take the amount of money that you want to make, um, and at the time when I got that job, I actually wanted to make uh, $250 a day. That was my goal. And it seemed like a lot because I really wasn't making anything at the time, but it was $5,000 a month. And when I got that job, I mean, within two months, I was making $5,000 because I did reverse engineer and figure out how much that would uh, need to be daily. Did you have any debt growing into this business? Uh, Did you have, what were your financial hurdles? When I opened my current business? Yeah, or just at any point during your, you know, you started this when you were around 19, 18, in this industry, Mm -hmm. and then now to where you have your business. What were your financial hurdles along the way, if any? I really didn't know about credit or managing my money. A big one was when I got my job at the waxing place was we were paid as a contractor. They didn't take taxes out for us. So we were supposed to save, which I didn't save for taxes. So at the end of the year, when I owed like $8,000 that I didn't have, that was a big wake up call. Whoa. Um, How did you find the money to pay yeah. the, to pay Uncle Sam? $8,000 is a lot for anybody. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I didn't pay it right away. I think I paid it like two years later. And I just, you know, made a plan with the IRS where you pay them off monthly. But that was also another mistake on my part where I kind of just went to H&R Block to get my taxes done. Whereas now I have a CPA and he actually redid my taxes from that year that I did pay $8,000. And he was like, if you went to me, you would have owed like 600. So it makes a big difference. Yeah. To go to, you know, kind of like a franchise type place or someone that like really knows their business and their trade. Oh my God. That is so money. So you, I mean, but maybe he was just trying to, I mean, too little, too late, Mr. CPA, you know, like, um, (laughs) I mean, I trust that he could have done better for you, but that's a huge difference. And I would actually wonder if he could have 
just had you owe six hundred dollars. But hey, I don't know that much about taxes, so that that's really <laughs> sobering. I mean, gosh, after that, you must have been like, from here on out, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to do my good deal, do my due diligence and research before I give my money to anybody. Yeah, definitely, and that's why I've become so hands-on now. Where I look at my bank account every day, I pay all my bills on time. They're all on auto. Um, I'm rebuilding my credit. You know, I listen to financial podcasts because you learn so much from them. It's really definitely made a difference in my money. So you started making a pretty good salary of $60,000 a year. You were unhappy with that, especially the way that you said that, you know, you were being treated. Um, you had a little bit of a tax right. overlooking. Then w- at what point did you decide, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. I can do this. What gave you the courage to, to do that? Because I think that takes a really, especially that young age, someone who's extremely courageous. At the time, I think I was about, I was 21 at the time when I was working at the waxing place. And I was, you know, I had a good lifestyle. I was 21. I was making, you know, 60000 a year, not including the cash tips that I was making. So I was probably making closer to like 75000 when all my friends were in college kind of struggling it was really, it really came down to the way that um, the owners treated all the employees that I worked with. Now, you know, they treated me fine. I was actually, I hate to say this, but like, I think I was their favorite because they never really, you know, personally got mad at me, but I saw how badly they treated my friends that I worked with. And I I really just couldn't take it anymore. So I decided that... uh, Badly treated like how? Like, were they just overworking you? Can you give us some, give us like an anecdote? Yeah, we definitely were overworked. I mean, we literally would whack one, a client every 15 minutes. Now, if we were booked all day, you know, we need a 30 minute break. But say if there was one break, you know, at 11 and one at three, that was our break. But it was really only gave us time to like catch up to like take trash out and kind of clean up. They really didn't give us a break. But also it was things like yelling at us and not trusting us and always texting us and all caps on our days off that were like stealing things when we bust our butts for them. Like just a bunch of things that like added up over time. And I just couldn't handle it anymore. And when you left, did you have a plan? That you were going to, you knew exactly what to do on your own? Or I did. You did? Yes. Okay. Tell so, us about that. So when I got the job, um, the owner asked if I would get, if we ever wanted to quit, that we give a two month notice so she could like retrain someone. And also um, we had to sign a non-compete form, which I understand non-compete forms and, you know, to protect their business, but hers was like ridiculous. It was like, you can't wax anywhere for like 600 miles within any location that we open for two years. Oh, please. Now that's like your livelihood. No way. So I think she, you know, did it as a scare tactic. And that's when she, they kind of got more mean towards us is when we did sign those there. I felt like, you know, they felt protected and that they could treat us however they want. Yikes. My plan was I uh, wasn't planning on taking any clients, but you know, I knew the type of money I could make waxing at the time, I lived in Albuquerque, which is an hour away from my hometown in Santa Fe. So I thought, you know, I'll just move back home for a, a little while. And I know so many people there. I'll just start waxing there. And I also added eyelash extensions to my service because that was something I was um, really into at the time. I had a hairdresser that basically her family knew everyone in town. So it was really easy for me to get busy really fast there. You know, I got clients instantly and I rented a room with 
from a lady that had a spray tan boutique and she was just awesome. And so it worked out really well. They did find out where I was working and threatened to sue me, but you know, I had already talked to a lawyer and they said, you know, that contact is a joke because they can't take away your livelihood. Like that's what you do. Even though you signed it, they thought that you could still have a, a solid case against, against her. Right. Because they said, if you took this to court, any judge would laugh because they can't take away your livelihood. And right. 600 miles is ridiculous. Like 10 miles or 50 miles, that's understandable, but not 600 miles. Like that's the whole state of New Mexico. <laughs> so they tried to sue you. And then what happened? They just dropped it. Oh, no, they just threatened it. And all literally all it took was one call from a lawyer, which happened to be my friend's dad. He just called them and said, stop nice. calling her. And I never heard from them again. <laughs> nice. Rhea, you're so money. <laughs> you're you. so money. Okay, so I want to transition now to talk a little bit about your mindset, your habits, your we talked about failure, so we'll skip that. But let's talk about your financial philosophy. You're 25. I think, what was I doing at 25? I was like hustling, still hustling, but I think I had just missed a payment on my Banana Republic credit card. What is your financial philosophy at this age as you have accomplished so much in your professional life and your financial life? What would you say is one overarching money mantra? My biggest money mantra would be that anything's possible. If you have clarity and you set your mind to it, I really think that you can achieve any goal or amount of money that you want to make. I definitely think there's steps to that. I think the first step would be to have, you know, your vision or clarity. I didn't start making a lot of money until, you know, in my new business that I have now in Florida, until I was super clear on my vision. And, um, you know, before I was kind of like all over the place, like I worked for myself and I waxed people, but I really grew when I decided that I actually don't want to wax forever. I want to own a business and be an entrepreneur. And I want to have girls working for me one day so I can, you know, live the lifestyle I want and um, be, have the freedom when I have kids to, you know, be with them and, you know, have the lifestyle that I want. And so, what is your lifestyle, Ray? I haven't even asked, like, what are you doing with <laughs> all of this money that you're making in your young twenties, uh, in your early twenties? What are you doing that is, uh, how are you living? What are your values? How is your money helping support your life? I mean, I think I have a comfortable life in a sense that, you know, I'm not super worried about my bills. I live in a nice apartment. I can afford to shop at Whole Foods every day and juice and do things that make me feel good. I actually don't spend a lot of extra money on myself right now because right now it's all being reinvested into my business. Um, I'm, I just built out my third location that I'm moving into, um, I'm expanding and this is the third and last because I find a six-year lease on my new one. Really goes all back into my business right now. Um, I do think by next year, I'll, you know, have a little bit more flexibility on vacations and doing more fun things. But right now it's all an investment. Are you saving your money as well? I hope because just in case, I don't know, you uh, have to downsize or you can't work for a little bit because you got, God forbid, you twisted your wrists or you got carpal tunnel. I don't know. I'm thinking you should have some disability insurance, Raya, just a little, you know, mother, right. mother hen Farnoosh says you should get some disability <laughs> insurance. You should have a six month cushion. So, you know, are you working on those things as well? Please say yes. 
I am working on those. I did have a little bump in the road going back to failures. My current location that I'm in, I built it out and I spent a little over 10 grand on it. And I only signed a one-year lease. So that was a huge mistake. But I signed a one-year lease thinking, you know, oh, well, I spent all this money, you know, rebuilding it. I'll be the first one to be able to renew the lease. And to my surprise, my landlord decided not to let me renew the lease. And he let my neighbor, like my neighbor wanted to expand, so he's giving it to him. That's why I'm moving to my new location, which I actually kind of spent all my savings on. But like I said, I look at at it as an investment because I kind of had to look at myself and say, when he said I couldn't renew, you know, either I'm going to go bigger and go all in so that I have room to grow and really expand and build that business I really want or go the opposite and maybe get a smaller place, but then I'll be waxing forever, which that's not my end goal. (laughs) Waxing forever. I don't know about that, but uh, you mentioned (laughs) that your parents are both entrepreneurial, which has really helped you inherit that confidence to, and that also I think maybe the the instinct to uh, go out there and, and be independent. What would you say is your most pivotal money moment, money memory growing up as a kid? What happened? Where were you? What did you learn? Growing up, probably up until like middle school, my parents were very wealthy. You know, they had a very successful business. It's a a jewelry business that they make dichroic glass jewelry and sell to a lot of art galleries. When the economy tanked, their business was a big hit because it's jewelry and it's kind of like art jewelry. So not as many people were buying and they really lost a ton of money. I think that, you know, going from being really rich and kind of like having not whatever I wanted, but I was a little spoiled, you know, I was kind of the only child growing up and going from that to being like kind of middle class and then eventually kind of almost broke towards my senior year of high school, my parents. It was definitely really humbling, but it also made me never want to be broke. That was almost like my motivator. Like, I want to be able to get the things that I want and live the lifestyle that I want and vacation when I want. I hated that feeling. And I also hated the feeling of seeing my parents struggle. Like, it really took a toll on their relationship. It just made me really sad to see. So, you know, another one of my big motivators is that I want to be successful so I can help my parents out and, like, kind of pay it back because they did pay for my um, esthetician school and I went to private school one year and, like, dance lessons. Like, I would just love to give back to them. How great. I mean, have you talked, did your parents all through all of that deterioration of their wealth, they talked to you about what was going on or did you feel as though you were just a, a bystander or were they involving you in kind of the, the why behind the fact that they went from wealthy to middle-class to broke? You know, I think I knew the surface level of it. I didn't know how bad it was, um, until, um, maybe like even a couple years later, like I didn't, you know, I knew that we weren't as wealthy because, you know, we didn't live in as nice of house and, you know, they kind of said it here and there, but I didn't know that like my parents stopped paying their mortgage because they couldn't afford it and things like that, you know, a little bit, but not quite to the extent because I think they didn't want to, you know, upset or scare me. Yeah. And so how good of you to kind of experience that and interpret it as, I want to have a better life for myself and I don't want to make these same mistakes and I want to be independent and take control of my own financial destiny. High five. 
God, thank you. <laughs> now let's talk about happier times. Let's talk about a so money moment, Rhea a time in your professional life or your financial life that you felt as though you really, you know, you, you deserved a pat on the back at the very least, that you reached a financial pinnacle of sorts thanks to your own hard work and efforts, a so money moment. Take us there. I can definitely remember really clearly a, a so money moment for myself. When I opened my business in Florida, um, my goal was always in the beginning, it was to hit $10,000 a month in sales. Like I just had this goal of $10,000. Like I'd be, you know, that would just be so amazing. When I hit that, I think it was, I think it was a year into my business. I hit that. And so that felt pretty amazing. And then, you know, of course from there, my goals have grown. So, you know, I have my next goal is 50,000, which is a lot more than I am making right now. But I also think the bigger that you think and the you know bigger goals you set, the bigger actions you'll take to get there. Think big. Think and, big, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Think and act big. And another so much moment that I have to say that almost feels like equally as good is that, you know, I have one employee right now and I'm hoping to grow that at my new location, but I definitely feel I'm so money or that I have those moments when she's working and she makes a lot of money. You know, that's always been a goal of mine for that, you know, whoever I hire to have a good job. So if she makes, you know, a few hundred dollars in a day, but then I make 500, which is less than I make than if I'm waxing myself. But the fact that I'm not there and that my business is making money for me, that definitely is a money moment for me. Hell yeah. Passive income <laughs> all the way. And then that frees up your time to be able to think even bigger and project ways to grow the business and you know what go have a workout if you want you know go do something that's, <laughs> that's in, uh, investing in your health and just you know adding to your this is the happiness of your lifestyle so I think that is brilliant what's a what's a habit Rhea that you incorporate in your daily or regular routine that does help your financial life that does help your ability to save or grow the business or just be able to have a grip on your money? I think just learning about money and like how to invest and how to save and what to do with it. That's been super helpful for me. Like I said before, your podcast has really helped me a lot. Getting a really good CPA has been really helpful. I also got a really good financial advisor, which is life-changing. The first financial advisor that I got was at Ameriprise. And I just, you know, not to say anything bad about them, but maybe I just didn't connect on the same level that I kind of felt they're more trying to like sell you life insurance than they are trying to help you. And when I found a really good financial advisor, he's just been really helpful. And he gives me tips on like the economy and where it's going and what to do with my money. So yeah, that helps me a lot. What else do you consume besides this podcast? Do you uh, have any favorite websites or other podcasts that you would like to share with fellow millennial listeners? Honestly, I feel like podcasts have changed my life. I know it sounds so crazy, but even just the beginning of this year, uh, January 2015, I was kind of struggling a little bit in my mindset because I hadn't found a new location yet. I knew I had to move my business and I really... I wasn't clear yet on what I wanted to do. Once I started listening to podcasts, I think my first podcast I listened to was The School of Greatness for this house. And, um, yes, who has been was, on this show, yeah. as you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was super inspired by that. And, you know, he talks a lot about gratitude. 
so I got in the habit of, you know, waking up every morning and writing what I was grateful for because there's so many things to be grateful for. And that was really life changing for me, just being grateful every day and like thinking of all the things that I have and, you know, are all the problems that I have are first world problems and they're really not that bad in the bigger picture. So then I also listened to, um, I really like Peter Vu, the Young Entrepreneur Lifestyle podcast. His is really good. Mm-hmm. And um, Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning. That's a good one. I also changed my habits in the sense that I go to sleep really early so I can wake up really early and, you know, start my day fresh. I go to sleep around 9.30 p.m. every night and wake up at 5, so... Oh, my gosh. What do you do at that hour? Oh, you work out. Okay. Mm -hmm. I work out. I write in my gratitude journal, walk my puppy, and (laughs) I just... um, I don't like to feel rushed in the morning, and I think I just have a better day when I wake up early. That's a good way to put it. Don't feel rushed Mm -hmm. in the morning. Yes. All right. Ready for some so money fill in the blanks? Thanks for sharing those with us too. We'll put those on the site. Are you ready for some so money fill in the blanks? Okay, here we go. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say someone came and dumped a hundred million bucks on your doorstep. The first thing I would do is. I would definitely surprise my mom. I don't know how I would surprise her, but (laughs) I would probably buy her a new house or a new car and just really take care of her. How are your parents doing? How are your parents doing these days? They're doing well. Um, My mom lives here in Florida, pretty close to me, and my dad lives in L.A., and I was just out there last week and got to see him. So they're doing really good now. Good, 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 good. They must be so proud of you. Yeah, I think they are. One thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Definitely anything that has to do with health. Um, I love working out and doing different gym classes. Um, So I think that definitely makes my... Uh, life better in the sense that, you know, it's a big stress reliever and it clears my mind and it's the best way to start the day. Absolutely. My biggest splurge that I spend a lot of money on, but I don't regret it, is? <laughs> um, probably my biggest splurge. Or, or guilty pleasure. That I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guilty pleasure. Um, it's funny because I'm an esthetician, so I can do a lot of things to myself at home. Like I have a microderm machine and I get, you know, a lot of products wholesale, but I still will go to like um, spas or medical spas and get treatments uh, because they're things that I can't get. And I love hydrofacials. Like that's one of my favorite treatments to get. They're a little pricey, but they're so worth it. Your skin will glow for like two weeks after. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is... I wish that I knew how important credit is. Hmm. Um, I really messed up my credit when I had moved to LA. I mean, I, you know, got offered all these credit cards right out of high school. You know, they were only like 500 or $700, but you know, I bought Christmas presents for my family and just like little, you know, little things that I maxed them out. And, um, I, I don't know why, like, I knew you had to pay it back monthly, but I guess I didn't realize how important it is. So, so my you miss payments? Really I, oh, yeah, I missed mm. payments for, like, a year until I moved <gasps> back to back home. Oh, gosh. Because <laughs> um, I really didn't know how important it was. Like, I didn't know you needed credit to buy a car and to rent an apartment and all this stuff. And somehow, you know, my credit is much better than it was then, but I'm still working on it. And somehow I've been, you know, lucky enough that with good references, I've gotten two businesses and 
somehow I get very lucky with that one. But I was going to say, that's like a whole other episode. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Like how to, <laughs> yeah. how to become an entrepreneur, launch businesses with bad credit. And I suppose you haven't had to rely <laughs> a lot on loans from banks or have you? Yeah, no, I haven't used any loans. It's often cash. Um, mm-hmm. I did when I first opened my business though in Florida. Um, I did use my grandma's credit card, which I paid back because she had a really high limit card. Um, but the thing that sucks is that didn't affect my credit at all because it was on her card. But um, yeah, otherwise I haven't taken any any loans out. And last but not least, I'm Rhea Schwartz. I'm so money because. I believe that with, you know, the right belief and the right mindset and taking action that I can accomplish any goal I set and make as much money as I decide to. Yeah, girl. And how much are you about to make this year? What's your revenue projection? (laughs) Well, last year was uh, my second year in business and I did um, 125,000 in sales. This year I am projected to make double that, but I'm trying to make five times that. So we'll see. I think when I, with my move, I can, I honestly think I can accomplish it. I'll let you know. (laughs) I will be looking forward to that phone call or that email or that tweet that says, Farnoosh, I did it. I crossed that finish line. And I have no doubt that you will be able to accomplish that and much more in the near future. Rhea, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being candid about all the exposure that you've had to financial lessons growing up with your family and now as a a fledgling entrepreneur. Thank you very much for joining us and we wish you all the best. Oh, thanks, Tarnish. I really appreciate it. And I'm so grateful to have this interview. That's a wrap, everyone. If you'd like to learn more about Rhea Schwartz, her website is flirtwaxbar.com. She's on Twitter at Rhea S. Glam. We've got all this info at somoneypodcast.com where you can also nab the transcript and comments from this episode and all episodes. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money or work-life guests at somoneypodcast.com and there's a very good chance I will answer it this weekend. You can also tweet me at Farnoosh using the hashtag SoMoney. And as a reminder, everyone, it's September. And what happens in September? We're going to a five-day per week format starting on September 14th. So uh, you may have been used to hearing Ask Farnoosh on the weekends. That will now be on Fridays starting on the week of the 14th. So that would make it September 18th will be our first Friday episode of Ask Farnoosh. But still lots of great, valuable content continuing to come your way. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money. Oh,